0: hello and welcome to another episode of the raptors community podcast today we're going to be talking about the raptors taking down the orlando magic in two straight games the first game they beat them 115-102 and this is where we saw the raptors get a little scrappy we saw Kawhi lowry get into it with aaron gordon we know they have history from that game in the bubble where they kind of got into each other Uh, Lowry sort of undercut him a little bit. He fell, looked like he hurt his hamstring, but ended up getting up, being fine. But that kind of got extended today when we saw them. Lowry stuck out that big boost of his and uh, maybe hit him a little low on the body. Looked like he hurt his ankle on that play and kind of stayed down a little, hobbled on one end of the floor as Toronto went down on offense, came back and just body checked lowry aaron gordon went up going out in that game with um a left ankle injury when he was just walking down the court just going over half court he just twisted his ankle and we saw a video of him leaving the game and it did not look good like it looked really really like the fattest ankle i've ever seen but um we'll we'll stay away from that and maybe talk about that a little bit later but you know that beef just kind of continues But Pascal Siakam was the story of this first game before we get into the big game that happened the night after. Siakam dropped 30 points, had 10 boards on 12 of 23 shooting, and he looked really good. He's just attacking inside um, in in the two games prior, the Kings game and now this first Orlando game. He's averaging 30 points, and he only took three total three-point attempts. So he's just going into the paint, attacking, and getting a lot of free throws. That's really where he's making his mark on the game. And luckily with Baines out there, even though he hasn't been shooting the ball well, he's still a guy that poses a threat from three-point land. So Toronto was able to just let him feast in there and kick it out. And then Boucher, obviously, is the small ball five that can stretch the floor and is an ideal candidate to play next to Pascal Siakam when he's shooting like this um, from outside and beyond the arc. And Siakam's in there attacking. It's just the perfect combination, uh, especially next to a guy like Van Vliet, as we know who can catch fire. But, you know, that's enough about that first Orlando game. The real game that matters is the game that happened this Tuesday. The Raptors took down the Orlando Magic 123-108. to They just blew them out. It was close early on. But as we know, it was a historic game. Fred Van Vliet had 54 points, hit 11 threes out of his 14 attempts, and shot 17 of 23 from the field. He also had 3 steals and 3 blocks in this game. So he was doing it on defense too. We saw at the end uh near the end of the second half when he was sort of running back, he got the strip. I actually don't remember if it was at the end of the second half or in the third quarter, but he just got the strip near the end of a quarter and was just down on his knees, absolutely gassed. I think it was at the end of the third quarter after playing 12 straight minutes in that third and you know, he earned his 54 his 54 points. It was also looking like he was on pace to beat um Clay Thompson's 14 threes in a game record. He had 8 at the half. He had 28 points. Um and he was looking great obviously <laughs> and um yeah, he was on pace for that record or the Raptors scoring record and he ended up getting that Raptors scoring record and the game really opened up after he hit his 10th three, believe it or not. And Orlando was really pressing up against him in that fourth quarter and he was just like, No, I'm just gonna drive by you. And he would just go into the lane. He had layup after layup near the end of that game and was literally just getting to the rim at ease. And eventually finished with fifty four, the Raptors record. He passed DeRozan. We saw DeRozan put a funny message out there, um, congratulating him, but also calling Lowry an old ass man who can't beat that record, which is pretty hilarious. Um But, yeah, Fred Van Vliet, what a game. Historic performance. One of four players in Raptors history to score over 50 in the regular season. Vince Carter scored 50, I believe, in um, a game back in 2001 during the playoff run where they played against Allen Iverson in his historic run to the finals. Uh, Whether that was 2000, 2001, I can't remember. But basically, we just saw Van Vliet enter an elite company. You know, Terrence Ross is in there with 51. I wouldn't call him elite company, but. Obviously one of the great scorers off the bench. And then we also have, obviously, Vince Carter with 51 as well. DeMar DeRozan with 52 against the Milwaukee Bucks. That was a huge game. And now Fred Van Vliet atop at 54 points. And like I said, doing it on both ends today. Helped the Raptors get the win, which is something uh, that makes it just a little more special. And you're playing Orlando, and the storyline is, wow, he has 54 points. He has a Raptors record. But on top of that, you're getting the dub and no one else really played great in this game. Baines was only 2 of 4, didn't really, in 32 minutes, didn't really have an impact. Pascal Siakam was 4 of 11, scored 12 points. The storyline was all around Van Vliet. He was just hitting everything. He obviously carried this team offensively, having almost half their points in this game, 54 out of 123. He had 11 threes, which is more than the entire rest of the team, had only 8, nine threes. So he had 11 of the team's 23-pointers, which is just... Hilarious and yeah, Kyle Lowry also had a triple double at 14 points, 10 assists, 10 boards. I uh, was really doing it all out there, and it's easy to get 10 assists when someone is shooting lights out like Fred Van Vliet. You know, you can pass it to him wherever he is, and he's just gonna sink that shot. But yeah, that was a great game by Fred Van Vliet. A historic game puts him at the top of the Raptors' Mount Rushmore now, with in terms of scoring in a game, and honestly sits as one of the best games in Raptors' history in the regular season in terms of individual performance he really showed out today after struggling in the game before he had a few mid-range jumpers was looking good in that first game and then just went ice cold and the Raptors squeezed out the win and then tonight the Raptors just absolutely blew the doors off no Aaron Gordon this one of course but yeah absolutely historic stuff from Fred Van Vliet there's not much else I have to say about it it's just he's earning that 80 million dollar contract right now his stock is rising. He's, you know, a really good player. That's the reality. He's 20-point-per-game guy. Can he be an all-star in his career? That's still a question. I'm not going to let this huge explosion of points be a bias towards that question because it's still a concern. I predicted he would be an all-star because I thought we'd see Kyle Lowry take a step down and, you know, sort of start handing the keys over to him. But, you know, it hasn't quite played out that way. The Raptors obviously struggled to start the season, and so having an All-Star is honestly not likely at this point for the Toronto Raptors when you consider their record, right? If if they can bring it up and Pascal can keep balling out, they'll have one, but I don't think Van Vliet ends up being an All-Star this year. Um, it's highly, highly unlikely in my opinion, but let's move on to the next segment because we heard a lot of uh, Van Vliet talk. Actually, one other thing quick that I want to point out is he's scored the most points ever by an undrafted NBA player with 54 against the Orlando Magic, surpassing Moses Malone, Hall of Famer right there. And Van Vliet's just making more history, adding more records to his record book. And, you know, it was just a great game. One of the great moments that we saw was him in the locker room after the players hiding behind the door and just spraying him. That's just awesome. That's just quality stuff you want to see. The next segment is... I'm just going to talk about a few trades that the Raptors can do. Because, as we know... Their front court is lack, and, you know, they've got some good players. Uh, Baines has kind of become a lot better in the last few games. He's definitely improved and stepped up. Uh, Boucher slowed down a little bit, but Toronto could use another guy in there, just one other person who can either be a 4-5, something, a small ball five, or just like a traditional big man who you can run a lot of pick and roll through and is a little active in terms of being on the glass, the offensive boards defensively, and then also active in that pick and roll. So, Let's talk about the first trade. I post all these to my IG too, so check out my page if you haven't seen them. First trade is JaVale McGee for Patrick McCon a second-round pick. This is a no-brainer for Toronto. You get to add JaVale McGee to the mix. Obviously, a guy who's won a championship with the Golden State Warriors, a guy who brings veteran leadership, an active rim-running big who can get offensive rebounds. He's honestly the perfect fit. For Toronto to be either a starter or even coming off the bench, it really doesn't matter. He can kind of slot into what Baines does now in that Baines role and he doesn't have to shoot threes. Like We don't need him to shoot threes. He's not supposed to. He can just be a guy who runs pick and roll, catches lobs, tries to grab offensive boards, and tries to protect the paint as well on the defensive end. So I think he's a good fit for Toronto on both ends of the floor. He brings it on both ends. And for Toronto, you don't have to give much back. A second-round pick is enough to sweeten it them to dump JaVale McGee a guy who doesn't really play in their rotation a guy who's not part of Cleveland's future and they're just a team that's trying to acquire assets at this point I think a nice second round pick uh, you can make it unprotected just give them just kind of give them that pick or maybe make it lightly protected and just slide that over to them in exchange for a guy like JaVale who like I said is a good poised veteran leader now and obviously got a lot of criticism early in his career through, you know, Shacked and a Fool, stuff like that. But he's proven to be um, an integral player in the NBA and can be in a rotation for a championship. The next guy is Ken Birch, who is on the Orlando Magic. He's another rim-running big, another big-body guy. uh, Canadian as well, so he's got that Canadian connection. Maybe he'd like to play in Toronto, so you wouldn't have to worry about him being the kind of guy to walk you know maybe you could sign him long term on a pretty cheap deal as well and it's the same trade package too you can feed them patrick McConnell, a second round pick and as we know the orlando magic are kind of at this inflection point where you know three of their starters basically are out right now markel fultz obviously aaron gordon we saw him get uh injured in that game and so they're really missing a lot of their key players right now and as a result they're going to be looking to probably start moving some of their big guys. You know, whether it be an Evan Fournier gets moved and traded back for some assets. Nikola Vucevic gets traded, get back some assets in return. So Ken Birch is a guy that would be easy to grab. Like I said, just attach a second round pick to a contract that fits like Patrick McCaw and get him back so that they can start building towards their future, you know. For the Orlando Magic, they can start building around. Uh they can probably try and trade, you know, Vucevic. Um Evan Fournier, all those guys, and just start building around that Mar- Markel Foltz core, a couple other draft picks, tank this season, pick up a top five pick, and move forward from there because they clearly haven't done it yet. They're kind of a team of mediocrity. Um, definitely worse than the Toronto Raptors are this season who are, you know, one of those top six teams, but they're just under that level, right? They're a level below in that 7-8 seed range. So for me, if I were them, I would just... Uh, tank it. Why not, right? You're you're not going to win a title. So you may as well bottom out, get some assets, and pull together a new core, because this core with Vucevic they've had for a long time, it doesn't really fit. It doesn't work. The final trade, which, you know, you have to give up a little more, but I think you're getting the best player in return. It's The Raptors get PJ Tucker and in return they give up Stanley Johnson, Pat McCall, and a second round pick. You're giving them a wing defender who can kind of help with that core that they currently have, with Christian Wood out there, with Obviously, their backcourt out there in Houston with Victor Oladipo and John Wall. And then the Toronto Raptors get back a big who can, and I say big, but he's more like a four, but a guy who can play center a little bit, can be a small ball five, has a big body, can shoot the three, especially in those corners. Stretches the floor for a guy like Pascal Siakam and plays really hard in those defense. Toronto had him back when they made the Serge Ibaka trade, and... You know, it was a good move at the time he was a little ahead of his time um, and he really peaked in Houston and he's still a really solid player who you can add to be a roll guy at that 4-5, or five, a guy who can grab rebounds, help box out, play good defense, he's actually the perfect fit as well for Toronto, so I think these are three small little trades Toronto could consider doing to buff up that front court a little bit, and you know you're not giving up too much in these trades, they're just minor moves that, like I said, will buff it up, add some rim protection maybe some defense and help you defend guys who are big athletic rim runners which Toronto struggles with thank you guys for listening I really appreciate it I'll catch you guys on the next episode